0: reading from the book of Genesis. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. These are the family records of Jacob. At 17 years of age, Joseph tended sheep with his brothers. The young man was working with the sons of Billah and Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought a bad report about them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than his other sons because Joseph was a son born to him in his old age. And he made a long-sleeved robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. Then Joseph had a dream. When he told his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. There we were, binding sheaves of grain in the field. Suddenly, my sheaf stood up and your sheaves gathered round it and bowed down to my sheaf. Are you really going to reign over us? His brothers asked him. Are you really going to rule us? So they hated him even more because of his dream and what he said. Then he had another dream. And this time, the sun, moon, and 11 stars are bowing down to me. He told his father and brothers, and his father rebuked him. What kind of dream is this that you've had, he said? Am I and your mother and your brothers really going to come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the matter in mind. His brothers had gone to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem. Israel said to Joseph, Your brothers, you know, are pasturing the flocks at Shechem. Get ready. I'm sending you to them. I'm ready, Joseph replied. Then Israel said to him, Go and see how your brothers and the flocks are doing and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the Hebron Valley and he went to Shechem. A man found him there, wandering in the field and asked him, What are you looking for? I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph said. Can you tell me where they are pasturing their flocks? They've moved on from here, the man said. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph set out after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him in the distance, and before he had reached them, they plotted to kill him. They said to one another, oh, look, here comes that dream expert. So now, come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of the pits. We can say that a vicious animal ate him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to save him from them. He said, let's not take his life. Reuben also said to them, don't shed blood. Throw him into this pit in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him, intending to rescue him from them and return him to his father. When Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped off Joseph's robe, the long-sleeved robe that he had on. Then they took him and threw him into the pit. The pit was empty without water. They sat down to eat a meal, and when they looked up, there was a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were carrying aromatic gum, balsam, and resin going down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What do we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come on, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay a hand on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers agreed. When Midianite traders passed by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the pit and sold him for 20 pieces of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took Joseph to Egypt. The word of the Lord.
1: Good morning! Congratulations! I think that was the longest passage we've ever read at One Fellowship. Good job, Jonathan! Yes, a round of applause for Jonathan Huang. My name's Paul. If you are visiting, I'm the senior pastor here. It's a joy to see you this morning and have you visit. Um, the early service was crazy. We were losing power. My mic went out. Like so, hopefully, we'll get through this. It might be in the dark, but uh, I really am encouraged by what God has already done in the nine a.m. This story is so powerful. No matter your age and no matter your story, I think all of us will have something to gain, even today. A couple other housekeeping items. Uh, next week's passage, guys. I forgot to mention this at the nine a.m. And I'm I'm actually being serious. It contains explicit content. So if you're a parent and you're like, what's he talking about? Just do me a favor and read Genesis 38 before you come next week. And uh, we're going to preach through the whole counsel of God and see how it applies. Why would we preach that? Well, it's very important. There's a teaser. Come next week. Other housekeeping item this morning is my firstborn son, Caden Thomas Sorensen, on the front row, has turned 18 years old today. Caden, I love you more than you'll ever know. If you would, please bow your heads with me and I'll share a brief word of prayer before we dive into Genesis 37. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me begin by asking this question. Have you ever had a good memory help you through hard times? When he was a child, a little boy named Lee loved to go out and play in his village. With the backdrop of mountains, he'd play in the fields where cows and water buffalo would graze all day long. And he'd play near the river where the water seemed like it would sparkle as if they were diamonds, or it was full of diamonds as he stood on its bank. And Lee especially loved the bamboo forest at the base of the mountains. With their lush green foliage and the majestic canopies that seemed to dance in the wind, he would just gaze at the forest as he passed them by. And all was well in his life until one day an older neighbor invited Lee to go around the corner and check out some cars, which were rare in his village. And that's when everything changed for the little boy. Li or Li Jingwei was four years old when he was abducted by kidnappers from his rural village in China in 1989. Given the demand for boys in that country back in the day, driven by the crooked belief that boys could better care for families moving forward and they needed to carry the family name forward, The black market for boys back in China was rampant. Thus, Lee, along with countless other boys, was kidnapped and eventually sold via the black market to adoptive parents 1,100 miles away. As a parent or even as a kid, can you imagine? Still, Lee would never forget his village. He'd never forget his place or the place that he called home. In fact, according to various reports, Lee would go on to draw or doodle pictures of his village almost every day of his life from the age of four all the way to the age of 13. It became his obsession. He would draw the fields. He'd draw the river. He would draw the cows. He would draw the forest. His goal was to never forget the place from which he'd come and eventually find his way home. Now fast forward with me to 2021. Over 30 years later, when Li heard reports of another boy who had been abducted in China, finally finding his own family. The story of Gao Xinjiang, you may recall, made global headlines last year, and I even shared about it from this pulpit. And with Gao's incredible news and discovery, Li, now a man in his 30s, thought he too might have a chance to find his family. So what did he do? Well, recalling the memory that had carried him through so many hard times, in late December of 2021, just a few weeks ago, the boy who's now a man drew a picture of his village. He drew the fields, the roads, the cows in the forest, and then he made an appeal with it on social media to find his family. Friends, here's the picture Lee drew see the bamboo forest and the huts and the river? And here is the result of Lee's appeal. You see, after posting a video with the picture on Douyin, a social media platform in China, with tens of thousands viewing the video almost instantly in the Ministry of Public Security of China, quickly getting involved, listen to this. Li's mom was found and the two were reunited just eight days after Li's appeal. Thus, on January 1st, 2022, just a few days ago, New Year's Day to be exact, Lee held his mom for the first time in over 30 years. And the mom held her son for the first time in over 30 years. Isn't that a breathtaking story? Let me ask again, have you ever had a good memory help you through hard times? Such can be A game changer, and this proved true not only in Lee's life, but as we now turn our attention to our sermon series, this will prove true in Joseph's life as well. Allow me to ask everyone this question. When life gets hard, what do you hold on to? Or perhaps a better question to ask is when life gets hard, who do you hold on to? Or if you're a Christian or someone even exploring the faith, perhaps the biggest question or the most fitting question is this. When life gets hard, who holds on to you? My prayer is that as we begin this new series, your view of God will expand and your view of life will expand. And through it all, you will find hope. No matter what you have faced, no matter what you are facing, no matter what you will face, that you will find a hope that transcends any circumstance that comes your way. So let's now turn our attention to our passage for the day. The big idea I'd like us to see from Genesis 37 is this. Broken people and broken plans do not mean God is broken away from you. Broken people and broken plans do not mean God is broken away from you. And we're going to slice this thinner through two points. Point one, life is full of broken people and broken plans. And point two, the Lord can take all brokenness and use it for good. So let's dive in. Point one, life is full of broken people and broken plans. Our passage begins. These are the family records of Jacob at 17 years of age, Joseph tended sheep with his brothers. The young man was working with the sons of Bilah and Zippo, his father's wives, and he brought a bad report about them to their father. And now Israel loved Joseph more than his other sons because Joseph was a son born to him in his old age, and he made a long-sleeve robe, or as other translations put it, a robe of many colors, right, for him. And when his brothers saw their father loved him more than All his brothers, they hated him and could not bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. And then Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Now, without a show of hands, how many of you have grown up in broken families or broken homes? If that's you or... Most likely it's all of us to some degree or another. this story of Joseph is especially for you. A little background on our passage is is important beginning with verse two, our passage says that it, along with the rest of Genesis the remaining thirteen chapters, contain the family records of Jacob. So who was Jacob? Jacob in the history of the people, in the history of the people of Israel, was a patriarch or a leading figure through whom The promises of God were meant to flow. Now here's the question. Was he a perfect man? He most definitely was not. And scripture wants us to see this very clearly. As the grandson of Abraham, in fact, the Bible tells us, Jacob was a liar and a manipulator in that he stole his brother Esau's birthright and blessing. We read about this in Genesis 25 through 27. We also read... He deceived and stole from his father-in-law, Laban, in Genesis 30. Furthermore, we read in our passage and its preceding chapters that Jacob was a poor decision maker and a bad dad. In that, he chose four wives, which created toxic family relations, and he played favorites, which is never a good idea. Thus, he was not the kind of guy, Jelena, you'd like to trust, even if he was family, right? He was a liar, manipulator, poor decision maker, and questionable father. That's who Jacob was. And yet, somehow, through it all, this was the man to whom God issued the following promise. I am the God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation, indeed, an assembly of nations, Will come from you and kings will descend from you. Genesis 35, verse 11. Somehow, through it all, when this man Jacob was living by faith and failing in faith, God didn't give up on him. God didn't give up on his family or his promises to him. Why? Because God loves to choose broken people to produce beautiful results. And this leads us to our passage, into our main man, Joseph. Right out of the gate in Genesis 37, we see the sins of the father passed down to the sons by way of multiple family conflicts. Any of you experienced family conflicts before? Raise your hand. You're the reason I was late for church this morning, but I was doing my hair. I couldn't find my keys. Well, listen, to use a modern vernacular, this family was jacked up. And they're right at the heart of the Bible. Look, in our passage, first we read that Joseph, after helping his older brothers tend to their family's flock, tattletales on them. We read in verse two, he brought a bad report about them to their dad. How does tattletaling foster unity in love in a family? Not so well, which is what we see here. Immediately in the story of Joseph, tensions arise between the brothers. Now, some theologians have surmised that Joseph was doing a good thing here. But many, through their own logic and study, have found different or differently. Why? Well, listen to this. The only other time this exact language about issuing a report is used in all the Bible, it's used to indicate an untrue report driven by mixed motives was given. Such is why one scholar says, quote, at best... Joseph, young Joseph, was a good boy sinner. He was a goody two shoes. Do we have any goody two shoes here today? But surely not me. (laughs) Anyway, next our passage goes on and it reads Now Israel, which is another name for Jacob, loved Joseph more than his other sons because Joseph was a son born to him in his old age. He made a long sleeve robe or a robe of many colors for him. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his other brothers, they hated him, could not bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. Well, isn't this great? Imagine growing up where one of your siblings is favored, and I mean highly favored above the rest. And imagine that this brother, as the apple of your father's eye, is given a jacket that's not only expensive, but represents authority, indicating Joseph will get double the inheritance of the other brothers and will lead the family once their dad has passed. Imagine how that would make you feel as a sibling. Pretty crummy, right? Well, that's what happens here, where Joseph, the firstborn of his dad's favorite wife, Rachel, is treated like royalty. Mind you, listen, mind you, Joseph is not actually Jacob's firstborn son. That's Reuben. Yet he's been skipped over due to previous improprieties, as have several other sons. So what does this favoritism in a family create? Hatred. The word hate is used in verse four, verse five, and verse eight. The brothers were told, hate Joseph. Talk about brokenness, right? Right? And finally, in the first half of our passage, we read that not once but twice, Joseph receives and then shares dreams, which were meant to, they're meant to be considered divine revelations where his brothers are told they're gonna come and bow down to him one day. Just imagine. Yo, Reuben, Levi, Simeon, come on over. I got something to share with you. One day, now I don't know the exact timeline here, But one day, you're going to bow your knee to me. What does this mean? I'm going to rule and reign over you. Now, how do you think that would go, right? Either Joseph was incredibly naive or had great nerve. The Bible doesn't tell us which one. What we are told is that this was the final straw that created a break between Joseph and his brothers. We'll see how they respond to him in just a minute. For now, however, I invite you to pull back and reflect on what I've shared thus far. Listen, Jacob was broken. Jacob's family and sons were broken. Joseph, the favored son, was surrounded and probably even acting out of brokenness. What does this mean? It means that if you are broken or come from a family of brokenness, you are not alone. Life, even the lives of key families in the Bible, uh, was and is full of brokenness. We need to see this. We're meant to see this. Brokenness from a family history, brokenness from a sibling rivalry, brokenness from terrible parenting, brokenness from pride or the pressure To achieve. Do any of you know what I'm talking about? Living with this kind of brokenness in us and around us. This is the story of Jacob and Joseph. And this, if we're honest, is the story of you and me. Life is full of broken people and broken plans. And this leads me to point two the Lord can take all brokenness and use it for good. Here's my confession a true personal confession. In my family of origin, I was gifted and burdened with the role of the favored son. No, I didn't wear an expensive or exquisite jacket which screamed, I'm number one. But I did know the burden and the expectation on my life. Therefore, it was only fitting that when I was 11 years old, And I caught my brother smoking marijuana when he was 14. What did I do? I went and told my parents. I told them of my discovery. I showed them the drug paraphernalia and more. And here's what happened I don't remember how they responded, but I do remember how Chris, my brother, responded. He didn't talk to me for over a year. I'm sure it hurt him and, and it definitely hurt me. And as a little guy, as an 11 year old, I just thought there's so much brokenness. Brokenness in my position, brokenness in my brother's position, brokenness in my family's position. What were my parents to do? And now, looking back at our passage, here's how the brothers responded to Joseph's tattletaling, favoritism, and dream revelation. In verse 12 we read, his, meaning Joseph's brothers, had gone to pasture their father's flock at Sheshem. And Israel said to Joseph, your brothers you know are pasturing the flocks at Sheshem. Get ready, I'm sending you to them. I'm ready, Joseph replied. Then Israel said to him, go and see how your brothers and the flocks are doing. Bring word back to me. And so he sent them from the Hebron Valley and went to Sheshem And a man found them there wandering in a field. And asked him, what are you looking for? And I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph said. Can you tell me where they're pastoring their flocks? And they moved on from here, the man said. I heard him, excuse me, I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. And so Joseph set out after his brothers and found them at Dothan. Listen, they saw him in the distance. And before he had reached them, they plotted to kill him they said to one another, oh, look, here comes the dream expert. So now let's come come on and kill him and throw him into one of the pits. We can say that a vicious animal ate him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. So this past week, as we were going through this passage as a staff and meditating on it, I love the brutal honesty of some of my staff. A couple of them said, yeah, they're their response, the, bro- the brother's response, makes sense to me or makes sense to us. And here's the deal Molly even took it a step further. She's like, I would have thrown him in the pit. So listen, friends, don't mess with Miss Molly. <laughs> well, guess what? We go on to read. The brothers do, in fact, throw Joseph in a pit and then they sell him into slavery. It's awful, right? The theme of brokenness seems to reach its climax in just the first chapter of Joseph's life. And that's how chapter 37 ends. And we're left asking, what in the world? Yet here's the spoiler alert. Are you ready? But God. But God. But God. Let me ask, when you were a kid, or perhaps even as an adult, did you ever read the end of the book before you finished the book? You know, just to see where the story is going. Confession time, who's done that before? Who's looked at the end? Thank you, everybody. You're a lot more honest than the nine Ammers. Do you know what Joseph would go on to say to his brothers years later, as he did in fact survive the pit? In this hellish moment, in end up ruling his brothers and treating them with kindness, generosity, and grace. In the last chapter of Genesis, Genesis 50, verses 19 through 20, we read, Joseph said these words to his brother, brothers, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Allow me to repeat that. Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God, Joseph said? You intended me harm, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You see, while all the hell was breaking loose in Jacob's family and in Joseph's life, in Genesis 37, our passage today, God was at work. God was at work orchestrating a merciful and masterful plan to redeem and bless this family and through this family, uh, all of the world, all of history, and that includes you and me. In fact, through this family and through this story would come the greatest and costliest redemption the world would ever know. The person and saving work of Jesus Christ himself. So here's the point, friends. The Lord can take all brokenness, Yes, all of your brokenness and all of my brokenness and turn it and use it for good. You ready? That terrible habit, God can break it and use it for good. That awful grief, God can heal it and use it for good. That broken relationship, God can mend it and use it for good. That deep, dark shame, God can redeem it and use it for good. The Apostle Paul would later put an exclamation point on this truth with these words from Romans chapter eight. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Do you believe this, friends, today? Do you believe that God can masterfully and mercifully work to redeem and bless you and through you show his extravagant grace to the world around you? Do me and yourself and our church a favor this morning. Ready? Whatever hell and horror you have faced, are facing, or will face, repeat this with me. But God. But God. But God. You intended me harm, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is being done, the saving of many lives. Church, believe that truth No matter whatever you face today or will face tomorrow, believe that truth with me. Returning to our opening story, where little Lee never gave up the memory that helped him through the hard times. You need to know that Joseph, like his dad, was far from perfect. But he did one thing, and he did it well. He clung to God, and he believed he clung to the memory and the dreams that God was with him and wanted to use him for the greater good to save countless lives, including his own family. And as it was for Joseph, it's meant to be for you and for me. God wants to take all of you, all the good and the bad, and re- reveal his glory in and through it to bring redemption and blessing. To land this plane, to land this sermon, allow me to end with this powerful quote from theologian John Walton God's sovereignty in blessing can be found in what appear to be the most heinous crimes and the most disastrous circumstances. This does not mean that God approves of the crimes or that he enjoys bringing disaster into our lives. It is simply a testimony to his ability to bring good out of evil. The depths of God's sovereignty are not demonstrated by his repression of our choices that inevitably reveal our sinfulness and fallen self-will, but by the fact that there's no choice that we can make, however sinful or fallen, that can interfere with his plan. You see, Broken people and broken plans do not mean God is broken away from you. Here's the invitation. Believe in the Lord in his sovereignty and goodness over your life and your family and your future right now, today. Listen, whatever pit you have faced, will face, or are facing, whatever pain, give it to God. Cry out to God and say, redeem this and bless me and bless others through this. And he'll do it. In his timing, he'll do it. It may be hard, but he'll always come through. I just love this story. I love knowing your stories and how you know this is true. Some of you, you know, you know. I look forward to hearing how God's gonna continue to redeem your story and your family and use us in his future for our good and his glory. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opening act of the story of Joseph. God, we bring you our pits and our pain. We bring you our lives and say, have your way. God, redeem that pit in my life. Redeem and heal that pain in my life. Give me your grace and your goodness. Give me a heart of joy and patience and forgiveness and hope knowing that you never leave us nor forsake us. You work all things together for the good of those you love and have called According to your purpose, through your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.